From WGCU News, this is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Back in April of this year, a small group of Southwest Floridians got together to express their concerns about what they see as growing trends toward autocracy here in Florida and more broadly across the United States. They formally launched their nonpartisan nonprofit called Floridians for Democracy in May and since then have been working to bring people together who share similar concerns. The primary focus of their concerns are the policies and positions being put forth by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the Republican-dominated state legislature, which they say demonstrate autocratic or authoritarian tendencies. A basic definition of autocracy is a leader or party who seeks to concentrate power and undermine the principle of the separation of powers, weaken the independence of the judiciary, the legislature, and other institutions, persecute opposition, and generally weaken civil liberties. I'm joined today by Floridians for Democracy co-founder Jim Nathan. Jim served as CEO for Lee Health for 34 years until retiring in 2017, and he's an adjunct professor and executive in residence for the Mary Ebb College of Health and Human Services at Florida Gulf Coast University. And I'm joined by Dave Ehrenberg. He's the elected state attorney for the 15th Judicial Circuit, which includes Palm Beach County, and he's a former Democratic member of the Florida Senate. He was elected to the Senate in 2002 and served for eight years in a district which at the time included parts of Southwest Florida. I spoke with them yesterday. Let's hear that conversation now. Jim Nathan is co-founder of Floridians for Democracy. Jim, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Honored to be here. And Dave Ehrenberg is state attorney for the 15th Judicial Circuit, which includes Palm Beach County, and he's a former Democratic member of the Florida Senate. Uh, State Attorney Ehrenberg, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life. Hey, great to be with you, Mike and Jim. Good to be with you again. So, Jim, for starters, remind our listeners about Floridians for Democracy's origin story. You first formed formally, I think, back in May of this year. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we incorporated uh, as uh, two nonprofit, nonpartisan organizations on May the 1st. But we really got our start uh, a couple months before that. And we began to call ourselves the 1939 Project. And that was related to the fact that in 1939, America seemed to be uh, headed down tremendous support for Hitler and his regime. And and he thought that uh, not only did they like what he was doing, he liked what America was doing, which was America first. And we started noticing over the last year an increase in authoritarian decision-making, especially in the state of Florida, and especially as it was leading into the 2024 legislative session. And we were trying to figure out a way to verify if our fears and concerns were for real. And the thing we did was a little test marketing with some individuals who were already feeling in in late February, early March, uh, the impact of what they saw as the new laws that were being implemented, either ones that had already gone into play or were being discussed. And their concerns, we felt, were our concerns. And I'll close that opening by saying, as we know, back in the 1930s, they came for others, but not for me. So I didn't speak up. And when they came for me, there was no one to speak up for me. So our feeling was that we wanted to be speaking up for those that might be silent or were unaware of the movement in Florida and around our country and even globally 
of uh, a more authoritarian movement and less democracy. Um, before we get into details about the work you've been doing since we last talked to you about uh, all of this on this show back in July, I want to start with some basics with, uh, with Mr. Ehrenberg. Dave, I already laid out your basic bio and professional path in the intro, but can you just talk some about what first led you down this path? Like, why did you get into government and law enforcement law? Like, what led you to that? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were in high school? Well, I wanted to do something in public service and be a, a lawyer one day. And then what happened was my life changed because I became a lawyer. And then uh, as a young lawyer, I saw an article in the uh, Miami Herald at the time. I was living in, in uh, the Miami area. And it was about the uh, attempt to try to restore a measure of justice to Holocaust survivors by going after those European insurance companies that stole policies from victims of the Holocaust after World War II. They sold policies intentionally to people who knew uh, Jewish families who knew would likely be killed uh, during the Holocaust in World War II. And then afterwards, they, uh, they refused to honor the policies. And so I worked with the National Association of Insurance Commissioners and Bill Nelson, our insurance commissioner, to try to right a wrong. And after I did that, you know, I, I couldn't go back to the law firm and bill hours anymore. And so I left to do public service law the full time, going to the attorney general's office and going after economic crime. And then I got elected to the state Senate and I served Southwest Florida for eight years and Southeast Florida, both sides of the state. And that led to where I am now, a state attorney. Are you a member of Floridians for Democracy or are you just adding your perspective as a guest speaker at their upcoming event next week? Well, I'm on the email list, so uh, I think I'm a member. I, uh, I'm going to be speaking to the group. I think very highly of the organization, and I love what Jim is doing. Jim doesn't come at this in a partisan way because this is an organization that's open to everyone. In fact, partisanship is part of the reason why we're in the situation we're in today. And so he is trying to bring together people from all walks of life who have just had enough with you know, book bans, and uh, wars against companies who speak up on issues, you know, battles against free speech. Uh, I would add to that, you know, uh, the, the excessive gerrymandering that goes on. And I mean, I, and I would add six-week abortion bans, too. I mean, these are things that are so unpopular and undemocratic that it's amazing in a, in a democracy that you have these things enacted into law that are part of the law. Uh, it's supposed to be a representative form of government, but that's not what we get. One thing I'm guessing might hit home for you is Governor DeSantis's suspension of two elected prosecutors, uh, Orlando area state attorney Monique Worrell, and, or Worrell maybe, and Tampa area prosecutor Andrew Warren. What are your thoughts on those two events? Yeah, and then there's that. <laughs> you have two independently elected constitutional officers who were removed by the governor. In the case of Monique Worrell, it's because he disagreed with her policies. Now, keep in mind, we are elected by the people of our communities. We do not work for the governor. We don't work for the attorney general. We work for the people of our communities. It sets a really dangerous precedent when a governor is allowed to remove elected officials around the state uh, for any reason, for just because he disagrees with them. I mean, look, if, if you allow this to happen in the case of Monique Worrell, then Katie, bar the door. Next time there's a Democratic governor, uh, you know, that... It, it's a bad precedent. It can be the other way around because the governor disagrees with the sheriff 
uh, and how that person is implementing the law on assault weapons, for example. I mean, you don't want to have a uh, authoritarian form of government when we're supposed to have a republic. And as far as Andrew Warren, Andrew Warren was removed, and I disagreed with that. Uh, Andrew Warren signed a pledge on abortion that was still on a bill, on a law that was held up in the courts at the time. And uh, so I disagree with his removal. Um, but in the case of Monique Orell, I mean, she didn't sign any pledges. She was just removed because the governor disagreed with her policies. Is the rule or the law or the constitutionality, whatever the right term is in this context, is this something that is within the power of the governor to do regardless of the reason? Or is this something where he's breaking a rule or a law or the constitutionality, whatever it is? In the Constitution, it does give the power to the governor to remove elected officials for you know, drunkenness, uh, malfeasance, uh, neglect of duty, that type of thing. Those are can be interpreted broadly, but they've never been interpreted so broadly to mean that you know neglect of duty is when I disagree with your policies. Uh, usually it means you get arrested, uh, you are corrupt, you are, uh, for example, uh, in the case of Orlando had a, a state attorney, Aramis Ayala, and she announced after she was elected that she would not implement the death penalty. She would not seek the death penalty in any case. At the time, the governor was Rick Scott. And because uh, it was seen and the Supreme Court ruled it was an abuse of her discretion to ignore the law and the death penalty, Rick Scott responded by uh, taking away all death penalty eligible cases from her jurisdiction. He moved it to other jurisdictions. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't remove her from office because that would be a bridge too far. That would be unprecedented. And as much as you may disagree with her policies, to start removing elected officials who are elected by the people is something that has not been done before unless it's something for something serious, you know, like a, like an arrest or corruption. Here, it's just a question of I disagree with you, and so you're gone. I mean, democracy has to mean something. And uh, when a governor has that power, there is no democracy. Another thing you mentioned a bit ago was books in Florida. I guess, how I don't know if you say which books are allowed or which books are not allowed to be used or taught or, you know, on the shelf in uh, libraries at public schools. Can you explain where we stand when it comes to books and public education and, you know, what all has led to where we are and your perspective on it? Yeah, I mean, look, the public wants more um, parental participation in our school system, but it is... Uh, going to the extremes when you allow any one parent to be able to file a lawsuit against a school district because that parent disagrees with a book that is in the library. So what we have now is a heckler's veto. You have the ability of any one parent to hold up the educational environment by, by filing a lawsuit against a school, by chilling free speech. And that is, again, not a democracy when that happens. And it's only just a, a small number of parents around the state who are filing all these complaints and these lawsuits. And it has empowered the wrong type of individual, not the type of individual, individual who believes in free speech. It's the type of individual who wants to suppress free speech. And as a result, again, it shows how Florida is not a fully functioning democracy. I'm going to ask that same question as a follow-up that I asked on the last one. And what I'm trying to get at here is, is um, are these things that are being implemented unconstitutional or are they just something that a large part of the political base disagrees with? You know what I'm getting at? I'm trying to figure out if this is all being done within the quote unquote 
boundaries of the law, even though it's not representing most of the people who vote. It's what the uh, judges say it is. The, the law is what the judges say the law is. And so I'll be interested in seeing what the state Supreme Court says when Monique Worrell takes her case up there. Five of the seven members of the Florida Supreme Court were appointed by Governor DeSantis. But I do believe that uh, his decision to remove her was such an overreach that she's going to prevail. And, and I hope so. Uh, Andrew Warren took a different approach. He went to the 11th Circuit uh, in the federal courts. Uh, and so right now it's it's still on, on appeal in federal court. Uh, as far as whether these measures are popular, I mean, the polls show that all these measures are unpopular. I mean, I don't know anyone who supports book bans. Um, I don't know anyone who supports wars against Mickey Mouse. And I got to tell you, I know people on both sides of the abortion divide, but very few, if any of them, support this hardline six-week abortion ban. These are all very unpopular measures, not to mention removing elected state attorneys because you don't like their policies. I mean, that's also something that's very unpopular. But remember, this is not a, a true democracy when you have base elections, where you have closed primaries and gerrymandering, and you have someone who just is playing to the hardcore base, and you have this small, very motivated minority of voters who are able to control policies that are very unpopular for the rest of the state. Jim, I want to bring you back in now. Um, tell us what you and Floridians for Democracy have been up to since we talked to you back in July. Well, it's amazing the uh, the growth. When we first started talking, I think we were around 150 people. Then we were around 300. Now we're just over 700 in the state. But more importantly, uh, we've been doing lots of activities. We've been working with a number of national organizations that focus on democracy issues. Uh, they're Florida affiliates, and we've identified close to 200 pro-democracy organizations that have some tentacles and efforts going on in Florida. The concern we have is that the messages are mixed, uh, the advocacy is all over the board, and the competition we go up against, uh, even though the facts are not necessarily true, uh, they're very well organized uh, with language. And so we keep trying to seek how we can bring people together to get common language and do some common activities, not with the intent of Floridians for Democracy taking over anybody or any organization, but trying to encourage uh, even more collaboration. So uh, an example we just saw uh, just this past week, a group of pro-democracy organizations in the Jacksonville area got together in preparation for their, le their uh, legislative delegation hearings and they actually put uh, their activities sequentially, their presentation sequentially, under a We the People umbrella. So they weren't merging any of those organizations, but they were merging their communications to the legislators, which looks a lot better than when, uh, when I did it just a week ago today uh, with the Lee delegation, where we were kind of scattered and not organized at all. So an effort is to, to try to bring people together. We've also been really active in our educational programs. Just um, uh, 10 days ago, we had David Jolly, who is, uh, is on TV even more than Dave Ehrenberg is uh, right now. He but, is. Uh, a former uh, Republican uh, U.S. legislator uh, uh, from the uh, Tampa Bay area who recognized a number of years ago that the direction that his Republican Party was going was not one that he could be supportive of. And he's become very outspoken on, uh, on his concerns. And he helped us to do what we called the Pro-Democracy Summit with David Jolly. 
we had a, a great uh, turnout and a lot of really good discussions uh, went on as a result of that. And we made a number of new friends. Uh, this, uh, this week, uh, this Wednesday night, we have two Florida representatives, um, uh, Anna Escamani and Rita Harris, uh, both are individuals I'm sure that Dave Ehrenberg knows. Uh, and they're going to speak, what is it like to be in the minority party? Not so much where you have to negotiate with the majority party, but where there's no real negotiations and where the majority party is uh, basically uh, doing whatever the governor says, even though at times they say they don't just follow him, but they've all been in lockstep uh, for the last couple of years. And that's very concerning. So they're going to share their own insider's perspective. And also, uh, what does it take to speak up and speak out when uh, you're, you're so well um, uh, outnumbered? And then on November the 11th, on Veterans Day, we've been working with two uh, uh, veterans organization or one veterans organization and another pro-democracy, but they're both pro-democracy organizations in Sarasota that had already invited uh, a noted uh, professor and expert on fascism, uh, Dr. Ruth Ben-Ghiat, to uh, come to Sarasota. And we've been working with them now. We've got that set up, set up so that it's going to be live streamed, not just in Florida, but internationally, so that people can hear uh, this noted expert on fascism and her perceptions about fascism being at the, our doorstep uh, today in Florida and in America. So we're excited about that opportunity for education. Then on November the 14th, we have Dave Ehrenberg coming to Fort Myers, and I'll uh, put a plug in for that right now that we would love uh, your attendees uh, to hear this when this goes public. They uh, contact FloridiansForDemocracy.org and you can go right online under the events and you can sign up to, uh, to come and, and hear Dave, uh, uh, Dave's presentation and get to meet him and have some interactive uh, dialogue. We're going to do that on November the 14th. And then on November the 30th, another evening Zoom, this time with two impressive Florida professors. Uh, one is a Stetson Law uh, expert and they're both going to talk about uh, the environment and the uh, impact of, of democracy or the lack of democracy on the critical issues of environment. Uh, the other, uh, so that's uh, Jacqueline uh, Lopez from Stetson Law and an uh, impressive professor from Rollins, Leslie Poole, uh, who uh, is also a noted uh, journalist. And at that evening, we will be honoring in memory uh, Richard Jacobs, who wrote the book Democracy of dollars, basically how uh, dollars are buying democracy away from us, stealing it away from us. So lots of activities going on. I couldn't report that, didn't even know that in July uh, when we last uh, chatted, uh, Mike, other than we knew we were going to keep working and try to make a difference. Have you gotten much or any pushback? Because it seems like you probably would because you're saying a certain segment of our, our politicians in Florida are leading us down a path of autocracy. I mean, are you getting open pushback against the message you're trying to get out there? I, I don't think we've been as successful as we would like to be uh, because we haven't had a lot of pushback. But uh, we are growing every day in terms of new people becoming aware that there are important messages. The, pe the general public is so busy. Dave, as, a, as an individual who ran for office for a number of years, is aware that general public is busy. 
Uh, they're trying to survive and deal with their activities every day. And I think that's why individuals like those of us who have gravitated to leadership for Floridians for Democracy, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for our children, for our grandchildren. And we're trying to be those individuals that are speaking up and speaking out on, on their behalf. Uh, fortunately, at this point, we've not uh, gotten much in the way of pushback. Uh, we certainly uh, expect that we will we'll have some, but our, we're going to stay focused because we're trying to do the right thing to hold a mirror up in front of the citizens of this state. Even if we can't change the legislature, we can certainly provide enough education that people are aware that uh, their democracy is being stolen from them in so many different ways. And I'll give you just one quick example, Mike. Uh, not everybody's interested in women's rights. Not everybody's interested in the environment. Not everybody's interested in racial um, equity. But a lot of people are interested in land use issues or local government decision making, being able to petition your county commissioners a lot of those things are being taken away and consolidated at the state level and people aren't even aware of that. So uh, we're, we're beginning to see business people. Dave has an impressive individual over in Palm Beach who reached out to us at Dave's encouragement and his focus is business being stolen uh, by the state government and he's really ticked. So it's, it, it impacts so many different uh, walks of life and the general message we're trying to get out is if you have an area of advocacy and you want to continue to advocate on its behalf to improve it and strengthen it, if we lose democracy, nobody cares about your advocacy because a small number of people are going to tell you what to think, what to do, how to act. And that's where it starts with things like book banning or taking political people out of office that Dave's already mentioned. These are some of those early warning signals, and we saw them in the 1930s in Europe, and they're beginning to happen here. And when you've got political leaders that look at Orban and Erdogan uh, as, as the role models of international leadership because of their strength and power, then we should be very concerned. Um, Dave, I'm not a lawyer or a constitutional expert, and I'm not sure if this is a fair question to ask you, but I'm going to try. Um, it, it's appeared to me that many of the policies put forth by the DeSantis administration are potentially unconstitutional, maybe even likely to be ruled unconstitutional eventually, but they're being put forward anyway. Is this about making headlines, I guess is the question. Yes, that's exactly what this is about. Uh, the administration loses most of these cases in court. Lawyers are paid handsomely to defend these cases, but look, this is about uh, stinging, and just like a bee, you know, after it stings, it dies, and that's what happens. It's uh, it's about getting the press conference and the bright lights and making headlines, and they do. I mean, look, it, it, the governor has been able to you know, ride a lot of this to the running for president, and after the lights are turned off and the press goes home, then. The lawyers have to fight this in court, and generally the state's lawyers lose because whether it's a, a ban on speaking out, you know, for corporate corporate speech or requiring uh, social media companies to uh, host uh, conservative, like uh, Donald Trump viewpoints without any information about, you know, misleading claims as they did a social media law, which banned Facebook from 
uh, taking action against Trump or to uh, have fact checks or the uh, bill that was passed against cruise lines that forbade them from um, requiring passengers to be vaccinated during the height of COVID. I mean, these laws are thrown out as unconstitutional, but that's not the point. The point is just to get the headlines, and it does. I had Barbara Peterson from the Florida Center for Government Accountability on this show earlier this year because um, of a new law that exempted the governor's travel records, plus a number of other elected officials like the chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court, retroactively, so back into time, uh, and exempts visitor logs to the governor's mansion. Do those things fall under the category of what you're pointing toward today? Well, that points towards the failure of our democracy when you close up. And the Florida is supposed to be the sunshine state, but now you have laws that make it harder to gain access to the governor's flight records or or who the visitors are uh, in Tallahassee. So, yeah, I mean, that is not to get headlines. That is to keep things secret and slowly but surely the rights that we have come to expect are being whittled away. Yeah, I didn't mean the headlines thing on that one. I meant the deeper conversation that we're having. Um, Jim, what do you say to people who say this is just partisan sour grapes because the Republicans have total control of government in Florida and so they're going to use the law to do with you know what they want? Well, that's an argument that's presented uh, when you are that much in control of saying, well, the, the people made that happen. As Dave mentioned earlier, uh, Florida has been a leader in gerrymandering. And so uh, we, we really don't have a, um, a, a democratic process going on here, a democracy. Uh, we've got a small group of people that are, are calling the shots and are darn proud of it. And that's why we're, we don't think we can all of a sudden change the legislature, but we can certainly hold a mirror to the, uh, in front of the legislature and in front of the, the citizens of Florida to become aware of how serious this is. In our discussions with some of the national organizations, uh, I've had feedback from people saying that, well, Florida's too far gone. Uh, there's no reason to invest uh, in, in our time and energy and scarce dollars in Florida. And my response is, Florida is the canary in the democracy coal mine. And you need to invest here and you need to focus here because if Florida falls, then the next state and the next state and the next state, and there are plenty of states that aren't very far behind Florida at this point. Uh, we are number one in book banning. Uh, we're number one in a number of these, these areas, but uh, there's a number of states that aren't very far behind. So um, they can say whatever they wanna say and believe whatever they want. The reality is this is not a political sour grapes. This is trying to protect and preserve democracy for our state and for our nation. Dave, you are an elected uh, official. You're state attorney for the 15th Judicial Circuit. You are in your third term now. Is that correct? Correct. I'm not going to run for a fourth. This is it for me. Okay. So, um, you know, third term, four-year terms. Would you, um, if you went back in time to when you first got elected, could you have imagined that sometime 10 years or so into the future, you'd be talking on the radio about concerns about democracy because of things happening in Florida? No. In fact, when I came into the Senate, as a 31-year-old uh, in 2002, the Republicans who ran the Senate were making Democrats committee chairs. I mean, I, I eventually became a committee chair. We sat alongside our Republican colleagues. It was a very cordial environment. You had giants like Jim King and Dennis Jones on the Republican side and Rod Smith, Skip Campbell on the Democratic side, Ron Klein, Steve Geller. You had so many 
of uh, so many grown-ups. And now you have what happens because of term limits. And look, I, I support term limits, but the eight-year term limits has sped uh, the uh, the experience out of the chamber. And then you have these revolutionaries who come over from the House and they get elected and they bring the House mentality, which is a lot more partisan, uh, more firebrand. And now the Senate is just like the House. And now we're talking about the future of our democracy because you know the governor has acted in a way that has made a lot of people, including me and Jim, worry about the future of, of democracy, especially when the courts have not been willing to put a halt to see some of these measures. We'll see how the Supreme Court rules when it comes to the removal of a democratically elected state attorney in the Ninth Circuit. Uh, but you know they, this is going to continue until someone finally says, no, you can't go any further. All right. Well, that is unfortunately all the time we have, but I want to thank my guests. Dave Ehrenberg is state attorney for the 15th Judicial Circuit. That includes Palm Beach County, and he's a former Democratic member of the Florida Senate. Dave, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And Jim Nathan is co-founder of Floridians for Democracy. Jim, thanks to you as well. We're honored to be back once again with you. You can find links to more information about Floridians for Democracy, including the meet and greet with State Attorney Ehrenberg next Tuesday, November 14th in Fort Myers on our website, wgcu.org gcl. If you missed any of the show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is W. WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.